read the first 11 verses, uh, and then we will dive into this together. All right. Boom. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, I do, pray that, I do pray that you would remind us that this is your word and give us grateful hearts for it. Father, use the scripture to convict us of sin today through the Holy Spirit. Use the scripture to teach us about who you are and who we are in you. Use it to correct our wrong thinking or our wrong actions. And Father, remind us that we sit under its authority it does not sit under ours. Father, may we be people that submit to you through the Bible. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just after that, I'm going to go ahead and commit my first sin. Can I steal my notes from you? Uh, I don't know where they went, but they're not up here. Um, so you're on your own. Good luck. Um, but all right, so let's start off here. She's probably saying something about me right now. Uh, I don't even know. Um, I don't even know. So John 15. When I was growing up, like most kids, I could tell what kind of talk. Is my mic okay? Great. I could tell what kind of talk I was going to have with an adult based on how they introduced that talk. Adults think they're pretty sly, but kids know. Like, kids know what's about to come. And my golf coach in high school, who I still keep up with, who I still love dearly, when he called me into his office, I was walking by him in the hall, called me into the office and said, hey, Drew, like, could we, could we have a quick sec? I knew we were not talking about, like, the Braves. We weren't going to talk about, you know, Keanu Reeves, you know, his performance in the Matrix. We weren't going to talk about, you know, my performance in the sport of golf. I knew that we were probably about to have some sort of serious talk, something that was corrective about my leadership, something about taking my role more seriously, something probably about practice as well. And maybe there's something like that for you from your childhood. Maybe you grew up in a home to where your parents, when they really wanted your attention, said your entire full name, you know, middle, first name, middle name, last name, and you instantly stood up straight, had like a little bit of a knot in your stomach, embraced for what was to come. 
Well, for Jewish people, when Jesus spoke about the vine, when we, you know, just read from John 15, when we spoke about the vine, as they had been listening, I picture them standing straight up, bracing for what is to come. You see, God often referred to his chosen people, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, as a vine in the Old Testament, as a vine that God planted like a vine dresser, or in other words, kind of like a farmer. And God expected that the vine, his people, the ones who represented him to everyone else on earth, he expected them to produce good fruit like a vine should do. And we're not talking about kind of the the big food, the, the big, fat, juicy grapes of fruit. We're talking about the fruit of loving God and loving others. But spoiler alert, did they produce good fruit? Well, no. Historically, we look at the Bible, and that's the problem over and over again, that God is faithful to his people, and they are not faithful back. Isaiah 5, 7, this comes from the message. It says, all the men and women of Judah are the garden he was so proud of. See, he looked for a crop of justice, but he saw them murdering each other. He looked for a harvest of righteousness and heard only the moans of victims. For the people of God, the vine, the original vine, loving God, absolutely not. Even after he loved them, they ran away from him. Even though he had given them peace and unity as a people, they had divided themselves into factions and groups who continually fought against each other. Were they producing good fruit of loving God and loving others? They were producing some moldy, maggot-filled, rotten fruit. This is one of the reasons why it's hard to get into the Old Testament. It's hard to be like, we're going to do a sermon series on the Minor Prophets and just tell you how terrible the people of God were over and over again. I'm reading through Numbers uh, with my nine-year-old right now. and She looked at me a few weeks ago in in her bed. We're reading it together. And she looks at me and she goes, Daddy, these people just can't get it together. Uh, And I was like, babe, I know. And just get used to it. We're going to, it's the same story over and over and over again. So when Jesus brings up the vine, our minds go to grapes. The audience's minds probably would have gone to failure. But what's interesting about this is what does Jesus say? He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Jesus is saying that he is the vine. He is what we couldn't be, what they couldn't be. Where they had failed, he has come to succeed. Where they, where they have not loved God and loved their neighbors, he has come to fulfill the law. And he knows that they instantly have a knot in their stomach when they think about past failures like we do. When we got called Andrew Patton Henley by our parents, when you got called, hey, buddy, can you come in here a sec by my golf coach? The knot of conviction, of guilt. And what does Jesus do? Does he throw more guilt on them? No. It says in the scripture here, it says, he says, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. What he gives them in the face of guilt is the gospel. You were once lost and are now found. You were once dirty and are now washed clean as snow. And so if he is the vine, not Israel, but now he is the vine, and they, we are the branches, what does this mean for us? Well, the first thing it means 
and this is not how we kind of grow the church by preaching like this, but it's the reality. The first thing that it means is that we can expect to be pruned. You can expect that if God loves you enough to where He wants you to be healthy and thriving and producing fruit, it means that He will prune you. And I've never, you know, I'm not a tree. I've never had my branches cut off. I'm not sure exactly what that feels like, but I imagine it doesn't feel good. But also, conviction of sin doesn't feel great. Also, when we are our idols, what we run to instead of God, what we find, try to find hope in instead of God, when God reveals that to us or when he cuts them off, doesn't feel good. For brothers and sisters, he loves you enough that he will prune you. And you can expect to be pruned, but you can also expect to bear the fruit of love. The fruit of patience, the fruit of joy, the fruit of peace, the fruit of looking more and more like Jesus to each other. And so that's where we're heading. That's what he longs for us. The question I have for all of us is how do we do this? What does this look like in our lives? Do we just try to work a little harder at being perfect? Do we try to have every answer to every social issue, anything the world faces? Do we try to never make a mistake in community? No, what the Bible tells us is that we simply stay connected to the vine. How do we bear fruit? How do we become more patient, more kind, more joyful, more like Christ, more loving to our neighbor as ourselves? It's not, it's not incredibly complicated. It's not easy. But it is very simple. We stay connected to the vine. It means fostering a relationship and pursuing that relationship with Jesus in the means that He has already given us. Prayer, study in the Scripture, the sacraments, involvement in the church. It's not flashy, but the formula for not only staying healthy is right before our eyes. But gosh, it is incredibly hard. We so easily disconnect because we become distracted. It makes me think of the beautiful hymn that we sing here often. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Like thy goodness, let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, any amens? Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Brothers and sisters, there's not a hymn that describes us better. Prone to wander from the vine. We get distracted. Prone to not prioritizing Christ. And sometimes when we disconnect, we don't even realize how quickly we have disconnected. Up on the slide, you'll see a picture. And this is, and this is a picture of a blueberry bush. This is actually in our backyard. We had nothing to do with it. It was there when we got there. And apparently it produces a ton of blueberries. This is the closest thing I have in my yard to a vine of grapes. Uh, so we're going to go with this right here. And I can tell you uh, what people who know more about fruit and gardening and farming, they come over and said, this thing is doing amazing. They told us that we, we should be prepared to have 50 pounds of blueberries this summer. We have done nothing to help this, but we are very excited about it. So for the sake of the illustration, 
this is healthy and the branches are, not shockingly, all those branches you see, not surprisingly, are healthy and ready to produce an abundance of fruit for us to enjoy, for us to give away to friends and family. And it makes sense in the illustration. This is exactly what 15.5 says. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The illustration is incredibly simple. Those branches connected to that bush will bear fruit as long as they stay connected to the source of that nourishment. But I also want, I brought in a, a little illustration here for you to see. This branch I found about a month ago, planning ahead for some sermon writing here, found it a month ago. And not sure how it kind of got, got below the, or kind of came off the bush, probably an errant soccer ball, who knows, um, but it was below the bush. And when it came off, it still had blueberries on it. And it honestly looked exactly like I could have put it up in the tree, could have looked, could have just kind of fit right in. However, what does it look like now? Shriveled up, dead. If you if you break it, if you you know took a, if you try to break one of those branches on there, it's hard to break. It kind of bends. If you break this, it just snaps right off. There's no nourishment in it. There's no none of the goodness of that bush is still in this branch. So when we think about that, we think about the reality of what it means to be disconnected. Unsurprisingly, there will be no fruit a month from now from this branch. But I also want you to see this branch. So this branch I took off earlier this week. Sorry, Diane, just snapped this one right off of the bush. Snapped this one off on Thursday. And when I snapped it off, it honestly looked exactly like everything else on the bush. So this one was two months ago. This one was four days ago. So four days after being disconnected, I probably could shove this in the bush, and you may not be able to pick it out. It may blend in a little bit. The blueberries, though, kind of shriveling up, they're still on the branch. But the reality is, given another month, is this branch going to look more like this or more like the ones in that picture? It's going to look a lot more like this. And the reality is that if we disconnect from Jesus as a church, as individuals, for a day or two, for a week, we may notice a little bit, but we won't notice a lot. We disconnect for a month, we'll notice a little bit more, but we disconnect for two, four, six, twelve months. Brothers and sisters, we change. We change. And what are the signs of that? Well, if Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control apart from Jesus, just you know, bust out your dictionary, look at the opposite of these words. And that's what we as a people and as individuals will look like. It's important to stay connected, but it's also equally important to recognize when we disconnect that Jesus is calling us back in repentance. 10 or 15 years ago, we had a Saturn as a family that looked a lot like this. I also just Googled like swaggy cars. This came up, not saying that's the same thing. But I know a lot of you guys are just learning, you know, how cool Diane and I are. No apologies. We just can't change who we are. This is a picture of us. But Diane works the night shift as a nurse over at Eggleston. She's amazing at it. Uh, it cares for babies that are going through incredibly difficult times. And 
One night, she had driven, well, one, one evening, she'd driven her car to work. She works the night shift, was leaving work, and came out of the hospital, goes into the parking deck where the car is, and she has the key fob, kind of unlocks the Saturn. It looks very similar to this, a little bit darker blue. Unlocks the Saturn, puts the key in the ignition, and turns it, and is on her way back home. Eggleston's over in Decatur. She takes Ponce to kind of weave her way back home. And when she's kind of halfway home, she starts to get this feeling of like something doesn't feel right in this car. So at a stoplight, she turns her head around, and she notices in the back seat there's a man's briefcase in the back of the car. Totally befuddled, cannot figure out what to do, looks around more, opens up the glove department, realizes this is not our car. (laughs) Somehow, her key fob and her key, I mean, Saturn's out of business, maybe because of this. Uh, (laughs) They no longer make Saturns. But somehow, her key fob had opened up the car. She had turned it on and driven halfway home in some gentleman's Saturn that we don't know who it is. But it's, and at that point, she, you know, at post-night shift, I mean, the woman works incredibly hard, is probably very, very, was probably very, very ready to just hit the bed, go put her, you know, eye mask on, go to sleep after the night shift. But she made a decision to kind of turn around, go back, check back in to that um, uh, parking deck, park the car in a different spot because that spot was filled. So who knows what that man who had that Saturn, if he's ever even found a Saturn, may still be at the parking deck at Eggleston. She goes and gets into her car and drives it right on home, parks in the garage, and goes to sleep. And the reality, the moral of this story is that Diane at some point had to make a decision. It would have been ridiculous for her to say, you know what, that's not my briefcase. I'm just going to go on home. I'm just going to go ahead and park it in the garage. Like, you know, this Saturn, same size as mine, looks to be about the same mileage. I'll just keep it moving. She did what any of us would have done, turn the Saturn around, put it back in the parking deck. And brothers and sisters, this is our same call. Our same call. When we get halfway home and realize that we have not been abiding with Jesus, we get halfway home and realize that our branch, we have cut it off. Even though from the outside it maybe looks like we are, even though the Saturn looked everything like her car minus the briefcase and a couple little odds and ends, we know when we've disconnected with Christ and our job is to own it, repent, and come back to Jesus. And this is the perfect lead-in to communion. Remember that from the beginning, Christ, He became the vine that the Israelites could not be. And He didn't just live this perfect life. He was then murdered on a cross. Ultimately, he was crushed for our sins. And what does a crushed vine look like? A crushed vine turns into wine. So when we take of communion, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood, the bread of heaven, the cup of salvation, we do this as an act of leaning into our union, our abiding with Jesus as an act of repentance for hearts that are prone to wander. Let us week week in and week out recommit to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the fact that you give us illustrations to help us understand the importance of staying connected to you. But also, when we disconnect, you don't shun us. You don't 
run away from us, but you welcome us back with open arms, reminding us of your love, reminding us that we have a home with you. May we remember that day in and day out, Sunday in and Sunday out. In Christ's name we pray.